Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 32nd episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. I really, really appreciate everybody tuning in more than you know. If you like the episode, please subscribe so you don't miss any more episodes. Please share it on social media so that your friends can listen as well. I would also love to see some more ratings or comments, folks. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter at It's R.A. Coon. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N, so that you don't miss out on any news about the podcast. I'd like to welcome on a very special guest, Eric Mertens, also known as Eric the Peanut Guy. Eric has been working for the Tri-City Dust Devils for 20 years. He started out selling peanuts, then he became the on-field MC, and now he has become a staple at Giza Stadium, home of the Tri-City Dust Devils. Can't wait to chat with Eric the Peanut Guy right after this break. Eric, thank you so much for coming on to the Pulling Tart Podcast and taking the time out of your afternoon. It's my evening. It's your afternoon. How does it feel to be the first guest on the West Coast? Man, it's an honor. Um, it's great to meet you, Bobby. I've listened to uh, to your podcast a number of times and love it. Fantastic. Um, so thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm proud to represent the West Coast. I'm a, I'm a proud Pacific Northwesterner. I'm a kid that grew up in Washington State, and so I'm, I'm happy to represent the great Northwest. All right. I, I would love to get up to the Northwest sometime. I did spend a summer in L.A., so I know about the West Coast time difference. Um, yeah. And it's... It's strange because, like, so I was I was interning for uh, sports science on ESPN, oh. and so that that's based out of LA, and so it was during the summertime. It was like June, and NBA Finals games were coming on at like four o'clock, like before, like two hours before you even left work. So it was like. A strange—it's a strange time out there, but but hey, uh, you know those late night games that start at ten o'clock Eastern time. You guys uh-huh. are going to bed at ten. It's the best. I, I love nothing more than being a sports fan on the West Coast. Because, yeah, you know you do get your work done during the day, and then as soon as work is done, you got sports all evening if you want. Yeah, M- most of the time. I mean, coronavirus. Sure. Aside. Of course, <laughs> but, uh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, good. yeah, and then when football season starts, you wake up at ten, and the games are already on. That's kind of crazy. You literally roll out of bed, get a cup of coffee, and let's go. All right. So you are a staple of the Tri Cities as you sell peanuts and also double as the Dust Devils on-field MC. How exactly did that come to be? Oh man. Um... I, I love baseball. I grew up loving baseball. The Tri Cities is um, is really unique because it's in the desert. Okay, it's in Washington State, and so everyone plays baseball or softball. You can almost play year round. Um, so it's kind of like the baseball mecca of the Northwest right. in a lot of ways. We host the state tournaments at Pisa Stadium um, okay. for high school state tournaments. And, so anyway, grew up loving baseball. I'm a big Seattle Mariners fan. All right. Um, and then in 2001, the Dust Devils came to town. We had an independent team before that, the Tri City Posse. Okay. And I would go to all those games. But nice. when the Dust Devils came to town, it was also my senior year of high school. And my dad, um, in his infinite wisdom, was like, "You need to get a job, man. You need to get a summer job." So I was looking at jobs. And at the same time, I was thinking about buying, like, a mini-plan ticket package for the Dust Devils. Okay. Because I I was so excited that they were coming. Sure. Um, But one of my best friends, Johnny Pearson, 
one day I was talking about this conundrum that I didn't have a job, but I wanted to buy tickets to go see the Dust Devils. And he said, hey, man, I just got a job as a peanut vendor for the Dust Devils, and they need a second peanut vendor. Why don't you come out, work with me, and you get paid to be at the ballpark? <laughs> <laughs> instead of spending money so yeah. we did that and it was the black, it was the best um, that first season Johnny and I had a lot of fun we we were more than just peanut vendors we greeted people at the front gates okay um, we both juggled so we would juggle at the front gates wow he would bring his guitar we made up a theme song for the Dust Devils um, <laughs> and we didn't have a mascot for the first few months oh. because it was a brand new operation so we kind of became the de facto Dust Devils mascots <laughs> where we would be the ones dancing on the dugouts and doing the funny skits in between innings. Um, but for the first few seasons, we just kept it in the stands. We still sold peanuts. Yeah. And we would use our humor or our kind of mischievous ways to, to get the crowd into it. Um, but then about two or three seasons into the Dust Devils um, presence there, our on-field host moved on. Um, oh. It was great, but he had another opportunity. And so the front office kind of came to me and said, hey, you're already well-known by all the fans. Um, at this point, Johnny, the peanut guy, had moved on as well. He's a youth pastor. Yeah. So he moved on to a church. Um, so they said, could you do the on-field hosting you know, for the first few innings, but then in between those things and at the end of the game, you can still sell peanuts. So you can still, still beat Eric the peanut guy, but then you also get more um, airtime. Okay. <laughs> in between innings. All right. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of your personality has to do do with that too. I mean, clearly yeah, you have a very bubbly personality, and um, you're a great fit to be an on-field host. If you came to a job fair that I was hosting, you know that would be the number one thing I would put you as probably oh man thank you yeah i've done i've done my fair share of hiring some have been duds but some of them have (laughs) have been really good too so um but yeah just you know meeting you that's where i would have have put you as well um so you wear a bow tie to every game um why do you choose to wear the bow tie and continue to choose to rock the bow tie. Well, thank you for bringing that up because that is a very interesting story. And especially if you've ever been to the Tri-Cities, like I said, yeah, we're in the Evergreen State, but we are um, on the east side of the state. So it's sunny, it's hot um, in the summers. It's perfect baseball weather. It does get a little toasty though. Yeah. Um, And so wearing a bow tie when it's 100 degrees out can seem kind of like a stupid idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Over the years, I've worn um, an apron um, yeah. and carried around the peanut cracker jack bag, as a lot of vendors do in minor league ballparks. Sure. Um, so the apron kind of became part of my look. But then, I would say about eight years ago or so, I went to a Spokane Indians game. Um, I live in Spokane, Washington during the school year. I work mm-hmm. at Gonzaga University um, during the off season. And so, um, and I have a lot of friends that work for the Indians. So we went to Spokane Indians game, and their on-field host was really great. His name was Johnny Baseball. And nice. He wore suspenders and a bow tie, and he kind of had that old-timey baseball look going. Okay. Yeah. Kind of nostalgia for the, the the golden days of baseball. And I thought, oh my gosh, this guy's great. And I'd already been I'd already been uh, working as the on-field host for about ten years at this point. But I thought his look was awesome. So I went home and I immediately started um, looking around. He, he wore a red bow tie and red suspenders because that's Spokane's colors. Okay. And the Dust Devils were navy blue and khaki. So um, I immediately found uh, navy blue socks and navy blue bow tie. Um, one of, uh, my girlfriend way back when, um, my ex-girlfriend, she had made a personalized apron that said Eric the Peanut Guy on it. Nice. And that was such a great gift. Um, and so I've been wearing this navy blue apron that said Eric the Peanut Guy. Then I got my name on the back of the shirt, too. So it kind of created this this outfit. Yeah. And I have some people to thank for it. I, ha- I have Jen, my ex-girlfriend, still friend. Okay. Thank for the apron. And then I have Johnny Baseball to thank for the bow tie. All right. 
hey, at least you have exes that are still friends. I I don't. So. <laughs> oh man, well you know, uh, it's a journey. But, yeah, uh, for sure. She, yeah, she she's a good one. Yeah. So, the Dust Devils recently put a life size bobblehead of you in Giza Stadium. How does that feel? <sighs> man. It even has a bow tie, too, and the apron. Oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, cannot, I cannot put into words how much that means to me. Um, working for the Tri-City Dust Devils is one of the biggest joys in my life. It means more to me than most things do. Um, what minor league, what hometown baseball means around the country is a passion of mine and I'm so blessed to have a team where I grew up in the Tri-Cities um, be such a such a staple of the community and it's been a blessing to work for them and so um, they surprised me with this it was a collaboration between the Dust Devils front office um, they're always improving Giza Stadium they're always adding cool features yeah. or needed features okay. to the stadium and so this was one of the, the updates this, this past offseason. Um, but Dr. Reddig, um, he owns a couple companies, Back to Basics Chiropractic, um, and some other great companies in the Tri-Cities. And the, he sponsored it. Okay. Um, so it was, it was a combination of him and the Dust Devils front office coming together. And um, they surprised me with it a few weeks ago because they were going to unveil it. On opening yeah. night in 2020, yeah. which we all know didn't happen. That would have been awesome, man. Yeah, but it was it was a real gift because, um, like all of us, I've been really missing minor league baseball this year, and the summers sucked for a number of reasons, you know. Yeah. So to to have them surprise me with it, it means um, it means that. Well, my heart is always at Kisa Stadium. My sure. heart is always with the Dust Devils, and so to have it kind of in enshrined in like a, a life-size bobblehead yeah probably the nicest thing they could ever do to me yeah dude me. you're a legend you're, <laughs> you're you. a legend now i guess i mean you know the coolest part too which this this goes to show you just how great the dust devil's leadership is um my dad the same one who encouraged me to work for the dust devils way back when um he passed away about three years ago and um, that's been really tough, mm-hmm. um, obviously. But what's really cool is at, on the back of the life-size bobblehead, they put his initials. Oh, wow. That is so that, that yeah. is great. So he and I will always be out there at the ballpark together. That's awesome. Um, you, My dad also made me get a job when I was young, and it was not at the stadium. It was as a garbage man. So, um, you're lucky, you're lucky for, uh, for your first job being, being cool. Um, I was too busy getting up way before the sun even came up. So, wow. Well, I can't imagine that, but thank you for doing that important work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now look, you're hosting a baseball podcast. I know, man, it, it comes full circle, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't agree with you anymore like about the um the aspect of minor league baseball in a small town. Um you know, we we talked a little bit before we started recording and I worked in Williamsport, grew up in Williamsport. Um worked for the Beloit Snappers who are getting a new stadium and rebranding. Yeah. Um and then working for the Shorebirds um where I oversaw a brand new video board being built like within two days of opening night. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, and I did all of those things for those small towns. Um, yeah. and it's, it's been a wild ride, man. I mean, you've, you've been working for the same team for 20 years. I worked for several teams over the course of eight years. Um, but man, minor league baseball is awesome across the country. Um, you know, I I love hearing where you're from and where you've been because um, I love minor league baseball. Not only do I love working for the Dust Devils, but I I've been blessed uh, the past number of years to go on baseball road trips. Ooh! So I have been 
able to visit 123 of the active minor league ballparks. Okay. And 28 of the inactive ones. So ones that I visited that are no longer active. Um, or maybe they have a different kind of baseball team. All right. But it's been, so I've been to Delmarva. I've been to Williamsport. Um, I loved them both. In fact, I visited both of them last summer. Okay. Um, I haven't been to Beloit yet, but now I need to go see the, the new stadium. Right. Uh, and you're right. It's such a great way that not only does it does minor league baseball unify a local community, but it connects these communities. You mm-hmm. know, like being here in the Northwest, um, I work for the for a team in the Tri Cities, Washington. But I have good friends in Boise, Idaho. Yeah. And we'll go down and we'll play the Boise Hawks, and so I'll be able to talk smack for a week or something, or you yeah, know, I'll drive down, and it's, it connects the country. That is, sure. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean. Clearly, you know, with the, with this podcast and my travels and stuff like that, it's it's always you know um, I know this person who knows this person that works for this team, and it's it, it's just like a, a network, man, and it's so tight knit. It's awesome. Um, we're gonna get into your travels um, so, later on. Um, okay. So uh, yeah, some fans wrote in with some questions for you, but oh, my goodness, yeah, so. Your life-size bobblehead is one of two at Giza Stadium. The other one is Russell Wilson, uh, who is a seven-time Pro Bowler and a Super Bowl champion with the Seattle Seahawks, who I know you're a big fan of. Yes. How do you feel about being in the same company as Russell Wilson? Go Hawks. Um, that was, Yeah, that's been really fun. We've had that Russell Wilson bobblehead, life-size bobblehead. For a number of years now, it's fans love getting their pictures with it, and I stand next to it. Um, that's pretty cool, man. Um, the Dust Devils have had quite a few alumni make it to the majors. Yeah, pretty famous ones too. Fernando Tatis Jr., Charlie Blackman, like half of the San Diego Padres current roster, right? And a bunch of the Colorado Rockies. Um, and but it's it, it's funny that one of our most famous alumni is not a baseball player <laughs> anymore. He's a quarterback. Um, I remember the night uh, it was it was our season finale in 2012, and um, that year I did work full time in the front office. Okay. So even though I work at Gonzaga now, in the past I worked uh, full time for the Dust Devils. And, Anyway, we had set yet another attendance record that night. Um, it's cool. It's cool to watch the attendance in the Tri-Cities. It, we, we continuously break records and continuously grow. And yeah. that was one of the nights that we were really excited about. Not only that, but I, something happened on the field. Like the team did something really cool that night. I forget what it was. But then that was also the night that Russell Wilson was named the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. Wow. And you know, being in in Washington State, everyone's huge Seahawks fans. Sure. And so the whole crowd erupted. We announced it over the over the PA, and people were going crazy. Wow. Um, he and I interacted maybe once or twice when he was a player there. Okay. Um, I remember him being really nice, um, but other than that, we didn't really have much interaction. Sure. Interactions. So now that we both have life size bobbleheads, I feel like. We might be able to get to know each other better. You know? Yeah, if you got if you guys could have him come out um, to a game, that would be pretty awesome. That would be nice. Yeah, we, we've had a few giveaways like Russell Wilson um, bobbleheads, not sure. life size. Yeah, right. Yeah, and Russell Wilson posters and stuff, and he hasn't been able to make it out yet, but hopefully okay. someday. Yeah, um, I actually know a friend that worked for the Asheville Tourists. And oh, yeah. when when Russell Wilson was there, and she told me that he was such a big competitor back then, even that he would after the game pay the clubby to put balls on on the tee for him, and so that he could work on his swing oh, wow. um, for for hours after a game. Wow! And, yeah, That's so, impressive. You know that kind of matches. The, like I said, we didn't interact too much, but um, I remember a couple of things about his time with the Dust Devils. One, he was super nice to everyone. And two, when he signed an autograph, he would sign a Bible verse afterwards. Okay. And 
Um, I, I appreciate that. My, my job at Gonzaga is in campus ministry. So yeah. I, I love that aspect. And then the third thing is that he was still, uh, playing college football. At the yeah. Time. He was at North Carolina state the, the, that year that mm-hmm. he played for tri city. And, uh, I remember he would give all day to baseball at Keith stadium and then he'd go home and he'd spend all night studying the playbook for North Carolina state. Wow. So, yeah, he's a hard worker. Yeah. Some some people just have it all, man. <laughs> I know. How do we get some of that? Yeah, exactly. Um, so we alluded to another notable alumni of the Death Devils is Fernando Tatis Jr., who just made semi-recent news within the last couple weeks here. What were your thoughts on him getting roasted on Twitter for hitting that grand slam with a big lead, I think they were winning seven nothing or something like that, and he had a three yeah. zero count. Yeah, I think it's bull crap to get roasted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm keeping it PG rated right now. But um, yeah, man, he is one of the most exciting players in Major League Baseball. Yeah, right I think he's the um, future of Major League Baseball. I, I do too. Yeah, you know, and they have that whole campaign, let the kids play, and. Uh, he brings personality. He brings fun. He brings joy. He brings um, energy and excitement to baseball, which is what we all love. And so, to have anyone, whether it's a fan or his manager or whoever, kind of try to squash that energy, right? Like, get out of here with that. Like, we don't. I understand that you want to be respectful. Respect is big, mm-hmm. and of course, we want to do that. Um, but I truly believe, and if you listen to his side of the story he wasn't trying to be disrespectful he was trying to play the game the way he knows how with right energy and and having fun and you know what is so funny is when people in life even in baseball make a mistake or that pitcher got behind three zero and then he wants to blame someone else i don't even know if the pitcher did it so i don't want to throw him under the bus but um people want to like complain when hey you know, you had your chance. Don't let the count get to three to zero. Yeah. Or don't let the score get so carried away that you have to complain about it. Exactly. Like, that's on you. That's not on him. Yep. Exactly. Not only that, and he's he's a young guy, and he's playing for his next contract, right? So like, yeah. all the stats play into how much he's going to get play get paid on his next contract and yeah. and I think I think it's silly. I, I get that they wanted the game to be over because. You know the score was so you know that the margin was so crazy, but yeah, I just wanted to see what your thoughts were, considering he's a former uh, Tri City Dust Devil. Yeah, well, we were going to feature him as one of our premier giveaways this year. Okay, really cool. I've seen the prototype for it. Um, unfortunately, you know the season was canceled. So yeah, come on out to a Dust Devils game next year because we're going to have a really great Fernando Tatis Jr. giveaway. Perfect. All right, so. I imagine in your 20 years we're interacting with fans you've had some pretty strange interactions so what's what is the number one strangest interaction you've had with a fan over the years man this is such a good question well first off I I truly don't think well let me let me rephrase this I'm a huge Dust Devils fan myself, mm-hmm. so when I think of our fans, I think of my friends. Like, okay. I'm a Tri-Cities guy, I'm part of the community, Right. so um, it's all one big happy family in Pisa Stadium, so when I think of fans, I think of friends. Um, it's been fun to see like the guys I played baseball with in high school, they'll bring their families to the ballpark and we'll get to catch up, I love that. Um, I, I wear Dust Devils gear around town all the time, so it's pretty fun yeah. to be recognized out in the community. Right, right. People will be like, hey, peanut guy! Or, you know, then we'll, or they'll be wearing Dust Devils gear, and I'll be like, go Dust Devils! And then we'll catch up. <laughs> um, maybe two of the things I thought would never happen, though. Um, Benjamin Hill from Ben's Biz Blog, yep. who you just had on your great podcast. Yeah. Um, that was a fun show. He um, featured me um, graciously in one of his baseball card inserts for Tops oh, yeah. baseball cards yeah. years ago. So all of a sudden, here I am, just a guy from Washington State, but I had a baseball card that was national. That yeah. Went all, actually, international. Anywhere you could buy Tops cards, you might get an Eric Pina guy card. 
So that's I pretty still crazy. Get autograph requests. People will mail me their Eric the Peanut Guy card, and I'm more than happy to sign them. Right. It's the craziest thing in the world, and I'm really <laughs> honored every time. Um, my dad was really excited about that too, so that's really special. That's um, awesome. But maybe the the funniest story is uh, one night. This was a long time ago. Is a packed house. Maybe it was our third of July game, or just like a Friday or Saturday game. Fireworks, big crowd. Um, someone in the stands down the right field line got a little tipsy and started uh, yelling at her boyfriend. And mm. there was a, some beer thrown, and there was it was definitely becoming a like a security issue, like a yeah. crowd management issue. And so I called for security. I happened to be in that area selling peanuts, mm-hmm. um, but. Security was on the other side of the stadium at the time, so it was going to take. So I kind of had to step in. Ooh, okay. <laughs> and here, here I am. I'm supposed to be kind of the, the funny entertainer. Yeah. And I was like, "Man, come with me," you know. And she did not appreciate it. Um, we, uh, I started walking her out, and then one of my coworkers from the front office started walking her out, and she started to become really uh, physical. Like oh. she started hitting us. Jeez. And, um, this guy was following us. So we, we were kind of walking her out of the stadium, um, trying not to grab her, but try, kind of usher her out. Um, and this guy was following us from a distance. He was wearing a hoodie, I remember. And I was like, who's this guy? Like, is he going to cause trouble too? Is he her boyfriend? Like, so, and then she finally stopped and just started hitting us. And this, this guy in the hoodie walks up and he said, man, you're going to need to calm down. And, she said, who are you? What are you going to do, arrest me? And she started hitting him. And he whips out a police badge. Wow. And he said, yes, I will. And he takes out handcuffs. <laughs> and he was an off-duty police officer. Wow. And he very quickly took care of the situation. And I was so thankful because I'm not security. And, you know, God bless our security. They they were uh, predisposed. They were taking care of something else. Sure. So anyway, it all it all ended up okay. Um, she got the help she needed. Uh, the game was able to continue, and I will forever be grateful for that off-duty police officer for saving my bag. Wow, wow, that is that is something. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, you've you know you hate to see people get overserved at yeah. games, um, but. Yeah, when it when it becomes a a crowd issue, um, crowd management issue, um, that's that's never good. Oh man, wow! I was really I was really grateful for the help and um, our again our management, our ownership does such a good job with that kind of stuff and crowd safety and crowd security. So it it flew under the radar pretty well. It didn't disrupt people's nights too much. Okay, okay, that's that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, so on that note, we'll we're gonna wrap up this episode with Eric the Peanut Guy right after this break, folks. Welcome back, Eric. Again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your afternoon. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I didn't realize that the Dust Devils' majority owner is George Brett. Yeah. Have you ever met him? I have. In fact, very recently. And it's a fun story. So the Bretts uh, are obviously a great baseball family. Sure. Um and they own a number of minor league teams. Um, George Brett owns the Tri-City Dust Devils, and his brother, Bobby Brett, is a principal owner for the Spokane Indians. Okay. Um, so it's kind of fun. Whenever we play each other, it's kind of a sibling rivalry. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that either. Wow. Yeah. All of our employees know each other, and we like one of my best friends works for Spokane. And so, Okay. Anyway, um, so, but... So Bobby has come down to some Dust Devils games, but I've never met George Brett. And he's, you know, he does great work with the Kansas City Royals. He yeah. does a lot of stuff, um, the Hall of Fame and everything. So, um, but last year, uh, the Dust Devils made the playoffs again, 
And it was the first round. It was the divisional round. And we were playing Spokane because we're in the same division. Okay. Uh, and it was game one. And the game one happened to be in Spokane. And since I live here uh, during the school year, I was, I was up here. And my girlfriend and I went and um, we got to hang out with the rest of the Dust Devils front office. It was really fun. And um, <laughs> someone was, I forget who it was, but someone was like, we got a special guest coming tonight. And all of a sudden, George <laughs> Brett walks in. Wow. And I was like, stunned. I was speechless. It was one of those moments where I was like, don't do anything stupid, Eric. You know? yeah. um, and he shook our hands, and he was incredibly polite and really nice to meet us. What was fun, though, is that we, the Dust Devils front office, kind of had a, um, a suite or a box. Okay, yeah. Uh, like a luxury box. And right next to us was the Spokane front office. Nice. And so George Brett was hanging out with us when literally right next door was Bobby Brett hanging out with the Spokane club. And they were talking crap to each other all game long. <laughs> it was so much fun. It's not and surprising. We were into it. Um, and the game went extra innings. And it was the most dramatic win for the Dust Devils. There we and go. So, you know, after the game, George Brent went down into the, the clubhouse to, you know, congratulate the guys. And um, it was it was a memorable night because we went on to play in the championship round and uh, we went, took it all the way to the final game. And it was, it was a good playoff run. Um, but having George Brett on game one, you can't beat that. Yeah, for sure. Wow. So clearly, there have been quite a few changes in minor league baseball and a lot more to come. We're recording this on Tuesday, September 8th. Um, Pat O'Connor just announced um, that he is stepping down. And then I've also seen um, quite a few people that work for minor league baseball in St. Petersburg um, being let go as well. Um, So... How do you feel about the potential future of the Tri-Cities as things move forward? And what does that mean for the community? Yeah, man, this has been a really interesting time working yeah. in minor league ball, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and first off, my heart goes out to to those um, in MILB's headquarters who are now looking for new jobs. Those mm-hmm. probably have to be some of the most talented people in the country. Absolutely. So um, hopefully they'll... They'll get a good break and land on their feet. Um, I don't know any inside information. Um, I am riding the waves with the rest of the minor league baseball community. Um, So I can't speak to that. But what I can speak of, and I've kind of already alluded to it, is Mm -hmm. um, the Tri-Cities is a really special baseball community, maybe kind of like Williamsport. Okay. Um, I mean, we we don't host the Little League World Series, and we don't have... (laughs) You know, that going for us. But um, if you live in the Northwest, um, chances are, if you play baseball, you, you come through the Tri-Cities to play a tournament or to play in the high school playoffs, state championships. We host those at the East Stadium where the Dust Devils play. Um, it, people love baseball in the Tri-Cities. Um, and it's a very... Uh, what's well, it's a fast-growing community. It's okay. one of the fastest-growing in the Northwest. A number of years ago, Forbes magazine ranked the Tri-Cities Washington as the fastest-growing community in the country. Oh, wow. Um, I think we might have tailed off a bit, but we're still growing, and so our attendance keeps going up. Um, Great. The, the ownership of the Dust Devils and the city of Pasco, where the stadium is, um, consistently, regularly pump money into it to upgrade the ballpark. We're actually right now in the middle of a multi-million dollar upgrade um, that was announced before any of the news of minor league baseball came out. And we're still we're still updating things. We're still growing. Okay. We just um, put in brand new LED lights last season. All right. Brand new seats all over the stadium. Wow. And a lot of um, player centric improvements are happening too. So, um, when I think of those things, when I think of how good the stadium is, how great the community is, how great the ownership is. Um, the fan support. Um, one more thing. I don't, I don't want to just feel like I'm bragging or anything, but um, Giza Stadium, home of the Dust Devils, has won the, um, 
Ballpark Digest Best of the Ballparks Contest three years in a row. Wow. All right. For, for our level of play, for yeah. our classification. And that's a fan vote. So our fans are into this. And um, so the future looks good. <laughs> I guess Perfect. That's my main point. With all the question marks, and there is some fear, I'm sure, involved, um, the Tri-Cities is meant to have high-level baseball, professional baseball. Yeah. And um, so with all the changes happening, um, I feel like whatever happens, um, if you want to see fun baseball at a high level, come to the Tri-Cities Washington because um, the show will be good, the baseball will be good, and I, uh, hopefully if folks come from out of town, they'll, they'll love the community and what we have to offer. Yeah. All right. You sold me, man. I'm right. next. If, if I ever get out to the Pacific Northwest, I'm, I'm hitting a, a dust devils game for yes. sure. I should like get a job with the visitors bureau or something. Yeah, you should. I, <laughs> I actually know. So the, the general manager that hired me in Beloit now works for the visitors bureau for Beloit. Hey. Yeah, so it's been done before. So yeah, there might be something there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I don't I mean I don't want to come across like you know, I'm trying to sell something. I'm just um I'm very proud to be from that place. And Absolutely. I've been lucky. I've lived in a few different places around the northwest. I've lived in Hillsboro in the Portland area, I've lived in okay. Spokane, I've lived in Yakima, and they're all good places, but there's something special about the Tri Cities, especially baseball there. So that's Absolutely. all I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, I get it, man. I'm I'm proud to be a former MILB front office staff for for numerous teams, um, but I loved all the small communities that that I worked in. Um, that's that's why I did it. So, have you helped the front office staff with any tarp pools over your years? I love that. I love that. This is the this is the pooling tarp, tarp. podcast. Yeah, man, we have to ask it. The answer is no. Whoa. Because, because the answer is we don't own a tarp. Whoa. Because we have never, well, no, I'm sorry, in 20 seasons or 20 years, we have had one rain out or one rain delay ever. What? Yeah, which is uh, which goes back to That's crazy. Tri-Cities being a great place to play ball because you could probably play – 300 days out of the year, almost year round because of the That's the crazy. Weather. I mean, yeah, man, when so, you when you think of Pacific Northwest, you think of like <laughs> Seattle and you think yeah. rain all the time, you know? Right. But right. wow, I didn't realize that it that was what the weather was like up there. Yeah. So there's a big mountain range that goes right down the middle of Washington and Oregon called the Cascade Mountains. Okay. And west of the Cascades uh, you got Seattle and Everett and Hillsboro, Portland, Eugene, Salem, um, Vancouver, British Columbia up there is yeah. on the west side of the mountains. Okay. So they get all the weather from the ocean. Okay. Um, but the cities on the east side of the mountains, Spokane, Tri-Cities, Boise, Idaho, um, we're in the rain shadow basically of the Cascades. So we don't get nearly as much rain. Um, and we have had a few dust outs. Okay. Like big dust storms. Sure. Um, not too often, but every now and then. And we've had, when the forest fires in the Northwest are pretty bad, like they are now, um, we had a game called a few years ago on account of smoke. It was so smoky. Yeah, okay. Uh, our player hit a grand slam, and the umpire couldn't see it go over the fence. Oh, wow. So they had, okay. they had to delay it. We picked it up the next day. But anyway, um, I feel like I need to pull a tarp. If I'm going to call myself... Uh, minor league lifer, which I do call myself. I need to pull a tarp. Something. Yeah, I I always say you haven't worked in minor league baseball until you've pulled a tarp. But here's another thing: this this could get you off the hook. Have you ever been in a mascot costume? I have. Okay. Um, uh, I usually work alongside the mascot. Okay. So Dusty, Dusty yeah. the Dust Devil. Okay. Um, he and I do community appearances together or things during the game. So most of the time, I'm not in the suit because I'm next to it. I'm right. Like, I'm the one that can talk, you know? Yeah, sure, <laughs> like, sure. I'm his interpreter. Right. Um, but I have, 
I used to be in charge when I worked for the team full time. I was the one in charge of cleaning it. Okay. So I would try it on every now and then, or like smell it to make sure. It was- Have you ever had to go to like an event or anything like that with it? With no, it not in the suit. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think I think you got to at least do that much. I do too. All right. So um, I did. I did just want to touch before we get into the um, to the fan questions. Um, so you're talking about. Um, uh, dust storms um, and you've only been rained out once so in Beloit in April it is very cold and so with, there was actually a snowstorm during the middle of a game and um, we were wearing white jerseys um, and the, yeah of course and so this it just like kind of flurried for a while and then it just started coming down sideways. Um, and the managers met at home play with the, with the umpires and they were like, they decided they were going to keep playing and, um, the catcher. So there's, there's enough. I'm not, I'm not trying to throw Beloit under the bus, but it was, I think the second night of the season. So it's early April and um, there were hardly anybody in the stands because it was snowing. And um, so I was in the press box, and I was running the music and doing PA announcing at the same time. And so I could hear our catcher say to the umpire, I can't see the ball coming at my face because it was snowing so hard. And um, so I think it went, it became an official game. So I want to say it was probably the sixth or seventh inning. And um, that last half inning, uh, we were playing the Timber Rattlers, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. And um, they had like five errors in one half inning. And um, so Beloit took the lead and then they called the game and we won. So... (laughs) (laughs) It all worked out. Yeah, of course. So we do have some questions here from some fans. All right, let me get this. Thank you, friends. Yeah. Submitting questions. Okay. So this one is from Mike Sellers. Um, He is uh, Puck, P-U-K, 3-2-Ellers on Twitter. I think I recognize him. Yeah. My question for Eric the Peanut Guy is three parts. How many MILB ballparks have you been to? Which one is your favorite? And which one do you most want to see that you haven't been to yet? What a great question. I could talk about this stuff all day. Thank you, Mike. Um, But I'll keep it quick. I've been to 151 minor league ballparks. That's impressive. Uh, thanks. I've been really lucky to be able to do that. Um, but 123 of them are active with teams. Okay. That. So so uh, out of the current 159, I've been to 123. All right. Um, and I've had a lot of favorites. But my go-to answer for this is, is you mentioned them earlier, the Asheville Tourists. Okay. In Asheville, North Carolina. There was something magical about that ballpark, and I think it has to do with their new um, branding, their, their logos and colors. It's very whimsical. It's like a starry night under, underneath the moon at a ballpark, um, okay. so I love that. Wow. Um, but, man, I feel bad leaving out so many great ones I've been to. Um, as far as ones I have not been to... My girlfriend Karina and I were supposed to visit all the ballparks in Texas and Oklahoma this summer. Okay. But, of course, that was canceled. Right. Um, I was most looking forward to Frisco. Okay. Um, the Frisco Rough Riders, because not only do they have a lazy river in the right. outfield yep. that you could, like, tube in, you know, ride, ride the waves, but I love the facade of the concourse. looks like an old southern town. Yeah. The concession stands look like little houses or little, um, they had like white picket fences and cool architecture. So okay. That was the one I was looking forward to this year. Okay. All right. So we do have a voicemail here. All right. So I'm going to 
hold it up to the microphone, which is also close to the speaker here. So let me know if you can't hear this. I'm going to turn up my volume here. former guest of this podcast as well yeah oh yeah i'll have to make sure to listen to that one i got to talk with paul he did a, a story about the branding for the dust devils okay a few months ago um if anyone listening to this needs another great twitter follow go follow paul caputo he's sure he's amazing. um and that's a great question man uh, it's so cliche i'm sorry man i gotta get a hot dog and a coke or a beer. And if it's a beer, it's a summer shandy if they have it. Ooh. Um, that's a little Wisconsin up yeah. there, man. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Rainier beer. It's a good Washington classic beer. But there's something about being at a ballpark, having a summer shandy. Um, and I will say this, though. When I go on ballpark road trips, sometimes it will be 10 or 12 days straight going to games every day. Yeah. And, you know, I want to eat a little healthier I don't want to have so many hot dogs. Maybe I'll get like a chicken wrap or right. you know something else. But but that only lasts like one day. Every time I do that, I was like, why did I? That's a mistake. Why did I, <laughs> I'm at a freaking ballpark. I have a hot dog, man. I yeah. Have a, have a have a beer or a coke. So yeah, I, I souvenir cups too. So you okay. Yeah, you got to get the souvenir cup. I I have eaten so many hot dogs over the years. <laughs> I, I literally do not buy them like at the grocery store. Like I know, like I don't cook that much. So, and my my wife or soon to be wife, she works um, night shifts a lot. So like I'm all about like an easy dinner to heat up. But hot dogs, I just don't do unless I'm at a ballpark because I've had so many of them. And I'm gonna give you a little insight about summer shandy. So. In Beloit, we had so many beers on draft and in bottles. Um, And so one time, I mixed the Summer Shandy with the Leinenkugel's Honey Weiss. And it was glorious, and I started calling it the Summer Honey. (laughs) And and then I, I ended up getting, like, season ticket holders to go up to the concession stands and order a summer honey. Yeah. <laughs> did the beer pourers love that? Oh, they, they did. They knew exactly what it was, too. It was awesome. I, I felt so proud of myself for discovering that. I love honey. I love summer shandy. So you just talked me into it. Yeah, you got to do it. So... Eric, where can the listeners find you on social media? That's how that's how we met, by the way. Yeah. No, that, thank you for asking that. I, I love interacting with people. Like I said, I don't really man, I don't really see people as followers or, or fans or I, I really do consider people friends, especially if they're in the baseball community. Sure. So I'm always looking for more friends. Um I'm probably most active right now on Twitter, and my Twitter handle is very similar to yours. Uh, it starts with it's. So yes, Eric Mertens, um, or you can just search for Eric the Peanut Guy, and it's Eric with a K. Yep, K for strikeout. Um, Perfect. So you can do that. I'm also on Instagram. I'm not too active on there yet, but I'm hoping to start posting more pictures of all the hats. Okay. I own, I, every time I go to a minor league park, I buy a new hat, so I have quite a few. All right. Um, yeah, please come say hi. I would love to meet more people, and I do take. Every now and then I take a break from Twitter just for my mental health. Yeah, you got <laughs> um, to. I, I, I try to stay active. You're on Facebook too, right? You have a page on oh, Facebook? Yeah. 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 
um, Eric Kapina guy on Facebook. Okay. And that that account, I usually um, direct more towards the Dust Devils fans in the Tri-Cities. Sure. So if there's an upcoming promotion or something. But, um, of course, everyone's welcome to join that. Okay. Perfect. And so you've listened to a couple episodes, and you know we end each episode with the same question. What is the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard in your MILB career, and whose was it? Dude, this is such a good question. I was racking my brain for it. <laughs> um, I, could, I could answer this so many ways. Um, the, I couldn't think of a specific one for the Dust Devils, but my favorite have been um, the Latin players that use reggaeton or some other really catchy, like, clip from a uh, from a Latin song, especially the ones that make the crowd want to clap along. Like yeah, a really good beat. So when people can start clapping, and it's almost like it hypes up the crowd. Okay. Um, yep. It's not just for the batter coming up to to, to bat, but it, it, it's like a gift to the crowd. To sure. Get up. And the best example I could think of was actually from the Mariners, uh, okay. the Seattle Mariners. Um, Edwin Diaz was our closer a few years ago before we traded him to the, to the Mets. And um, he combined two songs. And they're again, they're both um, like from Latin artists. Sure. So I, I don't know their names, um, I'm ashamed to say. But one was called Narco, and then the next one was, was Azuquita. And his nickname was Sugar, or Azucar. So, okay. Um, so it was really like it's, you clap along, you get pumped up, um, and maybe one little final anecdote: um, the Tacoma Rainiers, mm-hmm. a great minor league club in the Northwest. Yeah, um, uh, Daniel Vogelbach, um, who now plays for the Brewers, I think. Uh, yes, <laughs> he, or the he, Blue Jays. Well, he was with the Blue Jays like last week, but as of okay. yesterday, he was with the Brewers. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes <laughs> um, sense. Yep. He used to play for Tacoma, and um, one of his buddy, his best friend on the team, just had a, a young son. And this is two years ago. Um, and his young son's favorite song was "Baby Shark." And this is way before the Nationals took it. This is way before it became popular in the playoffs for the Nats. And so every time Daniel Vogelbach came up to bat, who looks like a bodybuilder, he's, I mean, he looks like he's, he's huge. Yes. Yeah. They would play Baby Shark, and it was only for his buddy's young son, which I thought was very sweet. Okay. All right, perfect. Wow. All right. Well, thank you so much, Eric, for taking the time out of your afternoon to chat with me um, and to record this episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I really appreciate it, and it was great getting to know you. And uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. And... uh, I look forward to hearing about your 21st season with the yeah, Tri-City man. Dust Devils. Thank you. This has been a big honor. Thank you for reaching out, and I would love to keep in touch. Perfect. All right. Thank you again, Eric. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks. You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversations.